5: Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present the conclusion to Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden from 1949. Then William Conrad stars as U.S. Marshal Matt Dillon in an adult Western adventure of Gunsmoke from 1952. With me, as always, is my co-host, my sidekick, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey,
6: Carl Amari. What's happening
5: in Hollywood?
6: Well, American Idol is back in the news. Now, of course, you know they wrapped their 15-year run in April. They are going to receive the TV Academy's Governor's Award of 2016. This is in recognition of its game-changing impact on the medium, which basically means it has changed television in a profound way. Do yeah. you agree with that?
5: Um, I think it probably has changed television. Yeah, it, it, I don't it really know if it's has. been in a good or bad way, but I liked I liked uh, the series for a few years. I was pretty much hooked on it when uh, Simon was there, but then right. when he left, I, I really lost interest.
6: No, I I agree with you to that, but but it really has changed the. Um, Um, Television
5: landscape.
6: It it really has. I like that. Hey, is that
5: good? You like that?
6: And they are saying it goes beyond the annual Emmy recognition. Uh Um, The series earned 59 Emmy nominations and won eight of those. Okay. Um, And I think TV is different. Since uh, American Idol started, there's been so many offshoots of music and dance. There's been a lot
5: more... Reality, reality shows, shows since it started. Uh, because specifically it was so
6: successful. in the arts with dance and yeah. music and singing. Alright, so, well,
5: cool. Thanks, yeah. Lisa. Alright, it's time now for the conclusion to our Miss Brooks. We started this last time. Let's go back to December 11th, 1949 for the Cereal Bowl starring Eve Arden.
7: Well, when lunch period started, I made my last bid for Mr. Conklin's favor. I went to the school cafeteria and filled a tray with the best food available then carried it down to his office so he could have his lunch in private. The door was ajar, so I walked right in. Surprise!
8: Ah!
1: <laughs> oh, it's you, Miss Brooks. Come in.
7: Yes, do come in, darling. Miss Enright, what are you doing here?
1: Uh, Miss Enright was thoughtful enough to bring me some food from the cafeteria so I could have my lunch in private. <laughs> wasn't that sweet of her? Sweet and swift. <laughs> uh, what's that you have on the tray, Miss Brooks? This? Mm.
7: Oh, I just thought you might like a little dessert, Mr. Conklin.
1: Uh, what sort of dessert?
7: Roast loin of pork. <laughs> How terribly middle class.
1: Well, it looks delicious, but I've just finished a Swiss steak that Miss Enright brought me. I've got to watch my weight.
7: Oh, then I'll just take uh, it back. Put to it
1: the... down on my desk. I have a long day ahead of me. <laughs> Now then, you're both wondering, no doubt, as to which of you is my final choice for the position of chaperone at the Clay City Game and Dance.
4: Well, there's no hurry about it, Mr. Conklin, if you want to- Who? Who?
8: <laughs>
1: well, it's not you, Miss Brooks.
4: Then you mean- No.
1: No, it's not you either, Miss Enright. I've decided that the ideal chaperone for this trip is Mrs. Conklin.
4: Mrs. Conklin? Your wife!
1: An amazing deduction. <laughs> Yes, yes. The thought occurred to me this morning while I was mulling over a memo that the chaperone for girls should be a married woman. That eliminated Miss Enright, of course. And unless there's been a sudden and radical upheaval in your existence, you're not married either, Miss Brooks.
7: You're so right, Mr. Conklin. But if you'll excuse me now, I've got something very important to do in the cafeteria.
1: Uh, What's that, Miss Brooks?
7: I've got to start engineering a sudden and radical upheaval in my existence. (laughs) Mr. Boynton, well, this is a coincidence.
3: Uh, What is, Miss Brooks?
7: My running into you like this, after only five minutes of stalking. (laughs) But, Mr. Boynton, I wanted to talk to you about the weekend. Have you any plans?
3: Plans? Certainly, Miss Brooks. I've got a ticket to the cereal ball game at Clay City.
7: But that's 80 miles away, Mr. Boynton, and I understand the trip is being made in buses, those drafty, old-fashioned buses.
3: Oh, they're not so bad, and the game should be a lot of fun.
7: Fun? Bucking those crowds? Then when you do get in, you have to sit on hard wooden benches with your feet on cold cement. And do you know what a breeding place for germs a mob of people can be?
3: But well, Miss Brooks, people go to football games all the time, never catch anything.
7: Some people stay home and never catch anything.
3: (laughs) Look, Mr. Boynton, this game is for kids. But there's a dance afterwards for everybody.
7: Fine dance. You know who's going to play the music for it? Our school orchestra. And have you heard them rehearsing lately?
3: Well, no, I I haven't.
7: I have. They were running through mule train the other day. (laughs) The only instruments on key were the whips.
8: (laughs)
3: Uh, I'm surprised at this attitude of yours, Miss Brooks. I thought you'd be keen to go. Didn't you even buy a ticket?
7: Buy a ticket? I wouldn't go to that Clambake if somebody gave me a ticket. Besides, there's a new movie coming to the Strand tomorrow that all the papers say may get the Academy Award. It's called All the King's Men. You wouldn't want to miss that, would you?
3: Well, I'll see that later on, Miss Brooks. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got to get back to my laboratory before class starts. Some things I want to pack away for the weekend.
7: Go ahead, Mr. Boynton.
3: Well, I... I'll see you before I go, won't I? There's no hard feelings. Oh,
7: certainly not. No reason why you shouldn't go where you want to go when you want to go there. (laughs) Is there?
3: (laughs) I I guess not. See you later, Miss Brooks. Mm.
7: Uh 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 Toodle. (laughs) Toodle. But instead, I'll trust him implicitly. He can go where he wants to go, do what he wants to do. I don't care. my affection. Excuse me, Miss Brooks, but I've got the most wonderful news for you. May I sit down for a minute? Why, certainly,
4: Harriet. What's the news? Daddy just talked to Mother on the phone, and she doesn't feel up to going along tomorrow. So he picked you to chaperone the girl. Me? What made him decide on me? Well, to be perfectly honest about it, Miss Brooks, Daddy flipped a coin. He says what it was heads, you'd go, and tails, Miss Enright would go. And the coin came up heads? Three times. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's your ticket, Miss Brooks. This is good not only for the game, but a round-trip ride on the bus and admission to the dance. Oh, I can hardly believe it. Oh, this is a real break, Miss Brooks. You got just utterly the last ticket in school.
7: Oh, one more thing. Here's another memo from Daddy. He wants you to read it very carefully. Let's see. Schedule B. At 7.30 a.m., band members and cheerleaders under supervision of female chaperone. Yeah, I know, Harriet. I, I In fact, I knew Schedule B when it was only Schedule A. <laughs> if you Pardon me, Harriet. I've got to tell someone about the news you just brought me. Who, Miss Brooks? Oh, someone. All right, Miss Brooks. And
4: I know Mr. Boynton will be tickled to hear it. <laughs>
3: in. Oh, hello, Miss Brooks.
7: After you left, Mr. Boynton, I got to thinking about our conversation. Uh,
3: Me too, Miss Brooks, and I've decided that I'm not going on the Clay City trip after all.
7: (laughs) You're not going?
3: No, no, I'm selling my ticket to Mr. LeBlanc, the French teacher.
7: Selling your ticket? But, Mr. Boynton, you're missing the trip of the century. (laughs) Cosy modern buses, the thrill of personal contact with that adorable horde of people at the stadium... And then there's the game itself. Tense, exciting action, viewed from comfy, form-fitting beaverboard seats.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Just
3: just a minute, Miss Brooks. Are you going tomorrow? Of course I wouldn't miss it for the world. (laughs) But you said in the cafeteria that you wouldn't go if somebody gave you a ticket. What made you change your mind?
7: Somebody gave me a ticket.
8: (laughs)
3: Miss Brooks, what about all the king's men?
7: All the king's men couldn't drag me away from Play City tomorrow, Mr. Boynton. And I'm surprised that you don't feel the same way.
3: Well, I, I would like to root for the old team, but I have promised Mr. LeBlanche the ticket. And once I make a promise, I keep it. Well, don't worry about me, Miss Brooks. I'll find something to do. I'll probably take Miss Enright to a movie or something.
7: Miss Enright?
3: Well, yes, yeah, she loves movies, you know.
7: She loves sitting in movies. There's a difference. <laughs> Honestly, Mr. Boynton, I just can't understand you sometimes.
3: Uh, how do you mean, Miss Brooks?
7: Well, doesn't being with the old team mean more to you than being with old Enright? <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with Miss Enright that a little chicanery, which I'm about to indulge in, couldn't eliminate, along with Miss Enright. <laughs> uh,
3: I'm afraid I don't follow you, Miss
7: Brooks. Let's keep it that way, Mr. Boynton, at least temporarily. I'll see you in a little while. Oh, but,
3: Miss Brooks, you don't... Toodle.
7: <laughs> Hiya, Miss Brooks. I've been looking all over for you. And Mr. Conklin wants you to read this memo right away. Oh, let's see that, Walter. Schedule C. At 7.30 a.m., band members and cheerleaders will board bus number one. Oh, great. I don't have to read this. I know this schedule backwards. Well, you don't sound very enthusiastic about being chosen chaperone, Miss Brooks. Frankly, Walter, I'm not. But why not? Well, it's a long, dull story in which the heroine cuts her own throat. But boiled down, it reads, Mr. Boynton isn't going. Now I'm stuck with a ticket for a trip I don't even want to make.
4: Hello, Miss Brooks, Walter. Oh, it's you. Hi, Miss Enright. If you ladies will excuse me, I've got to get over to the supply room and pick up some megaphones. Uh, We can finish our conversation in a few minutes, Miss Brooks.
7: Thanks a million, Walter.
4: <laughs> well, Mr. Conklin told me that you won the toss, Miss Brooks, and I suppose good sportsmanship demands that I offer my congratulations. Well, thank you, Miss Enright. That is very sporting of you. Of course, I have enough money in the bank to go on my own, but there just isn't a ticket to be had. I know there isn't. A... Wait a minute.
7: What would a ticket be worth to you, Miss Enright? Miss Enright. Why? Do you have an extra one, Miss Brooks? Would you give $5 for a ticket, Miss Enright? It includes bus fare and admission to the dance, you know.
4: Well, that sounds eminently fair, Miss Brooks. Here's the $5. And here's the ticket. Well, I have to be running along now, Miss Enright. Hope you have a nice time over the weekend. Oh, I'm sure we'll all have a nice time. You and Mr. Boynton and myself.
7: I'm sure we will, Miss Enright. Goodbye.
4: I wonder where she got this ticket.
7: Hiya, Miss Enright.
4: Well, I got all the equipment and stuff and I, it, where did Miss Brooks go? I wanted to cheer her up a little. Cheer her up? Yeah, she seemed kind of blue because
7: Mr. Boynton isn't going to the game tomorrow.
4: Mr. Boynton is, so that's why she sold me the ticket. Walter, could I borrow one of those pennants you've got there? Oh, sure, Miss Enright. Uh, what kind do you want? Any kind, just so it's nice and sharp. <laughs>
7: Uh, it's me again, Mr. Boynton. There's something I'd oh, like I'm to Oh, I'm glad discuss- you came
3: back, Miss Brooks. I've been thinking this over very carefully, and <laughs> I've, I've decided that I've just got to go en route for our team tomorrow. What? Now, those kids would never forgive me if I didn't come. Mr. B- Mr. LeBlanc will just have to understand.
7: You don't mean it, Mr. Boynton. You can't mean that you're going to ride 80 miles in a drafty old... buck a germ-ridden mob for the privilege of watching 22 untalented children run into each other while you're sitting on the stone bench with your feet in your pocket.
3: No, no. I'm sorry, Miss Brooks, you can't talk me out of it this time. I'm going to the ball tomorrow or bust. Oh, but Mr. Boynton...
7: May I come in, Mr. Boynton? It's Miss Enright. Stay right where you are, Miss Enright. I'll come out. Excuse me, Mr. Boynton. Well, what
3: is all this?
8: Miss Brooks... Need...
7: Miss Brooks... I thought I'd find you here. I know what you're thinking, Miss Enright, and you're perfectly justified in being annoyed with me, but I'd like to make it up to you if you'll let me. What do you mean, Miss Brooks? Here's your five dollars
4: back. Give me the ticket. Well, I didn't expect you to be this honest. Here you are, Miss Brooks. Thank you.
3: Oh, hello, Miss Enright.
4: Oh, hello, Mr. Boynton. I um, understand you're going to be in town over the weekend. How about taking in a movie together tomorrow night?
3: Oh, I'm afraid that's out of the question, Miss Enright. I'm going to Clay City tomorrow with the team.
4: (laughs) Well, Miss Brooks, you've done it again. That's two touchdowns for you already. Don't add up the
7: score yet. I'm hoping to make some conversions tomorrow. morning, as per Mr. Conklin's schedules, I boarded the 7.30 bus with the cheerleaders and the band. We arrived at the Clay City Hotel about half an hour before game time. Isn't this a swell room, Miss Brooks? Oh, it's very nice, Harriet. This is where we're going to change our clothes for the dance tonight. The band has a suite right down the hall. I'll get it. Hello, Miss Brooks speaking.
1: Hello, Miss Brooks. This is Mr. Conklin all set up in your room?
7: Yes, and it's very comfortable, Mr. Conklin. How is your room?
1: Splendid, thank you. But that's not what I'm calling about. I had Walter Denton deliver Schedule C to you yesterday, Miss Brooks. Uh, did you read it?
7: Oh, that wasn't necessary, Mr. Conklin. I remembered word for word the instructions you outlined in Schedules A and B.
1: Uh, never mind A and B, Miss Brooks. Do you happen to have Schedule C handy?
7: Yes, sir. It's right here in my purse. Uh,
1: then open it up and read it to me. I'll hang on.
7: Yes, sir. (laughs) Here it is. It says, Schedule C. At 7.30 a.m., band members and cheerleaders will leave on bus number one. Due to the fact that I have procured a much larger bus than was previously planned, bus number two has been canceled.
1: Read on, Miss Brooks.
7: (laughs) Therefore, Chaperone will delay departure of the bus until 8 (laughs) a.m. But, Mr. Conklin, if the second bus was canceled, what transportation did you have?
1: None, Miss Brooks.
8: But
7: but you said you had a nice room.
1: Oh, I have a lovely room. You've seen it. Done in early American. Lots of nice maple and some fine old prints. There's only one thing I don't like about it, Miss Brooks.
7: What's that, Mr. Conklin?
1: It's in my home. (laughs) Eighty miles from Clay City.
7: Oh, this is terrible. I I don't know what to say, Mr. Conklin. Why, I'm responsible for you being left all alone.
1: Oh, but I'm not alone, Miss Brooks. You're not? No, no. No, there are 25 of us here. (laughs) The entire Madison football team! (laughs) Now then, Miss Brooks, with the game due to commence in half an hour, who is going to take the field against Clay City?
7: The Madison Band, Mr. Conklin.
1: The Band? You're going to have the band play
8: football?
7: No, sir, mule train. That's one way we'll be sure to whip them. Next week, tune in to another Our Miss Brooks show brought to you by Luster Cream Shampoo for soft,
1: glamorous, caressable hair and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch. Be with us again next week at this same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS,
9: the Columbia Broadcasting System.
5: And that's our Miss Brooks from December 11th, 1949, with the Serial Bowl starring Eve Arden. Also in the cast, Jane Morgan, Richard Crenna, Gail Gordon, and Jeff Chandler, with Bob Lamond announcing, sponsored by Colgate and Palmolive, is heard on CBS. Let's take a break, then it's more here on Hollywood 360. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360. To my right, Lisa Wolf. To my left, Mike Costello. That's the Hollywood 360 team. And it's time now for Gunsmoke. This is probably, Lisa, the most successful adult western on radio and TV. It ran a ton of years on television as well. And um, this show had on radio William Conrad as U.S. Marshal Matt Dillon. Of course, you know William Conrad later on television was canon. He was also Nero Wolf on TV, but he was Marshall Matt Dillon on radio. Of course, James Arness played the part on television. This is called Jail Bait Janet. It's from June 14, 1952. Here's part one now of Gunsmoke.
0: Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun starring William Conrad, the story of the violence that moved West with
2: young America, and the story of a man who moved with it. I'm that man, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet. It's a chancy job, and it makes a man watchful. And a little lonely. Mr. Don? Mr.
0: Mr. Dillon. Take
2: it easy, Chester.
0: But there's been a train robbery, Mr. Dillon, about five miles east. They held up the baggage clerk and got away with
2: $50,000 in double eagles. Well, when did you hear about it?
0: Just now, when number seven pulled into the station. you got to get over there right away.
2: Well, I guess they'll wait. That city's the end of the line. Well,
0: yes, sir, I know Anybody that. Anybody say how many were in on it? Three, according to the clerk, all wearing masks. They snuck aboard when the train stopped for water at Cottonwood Tanks. Made them cut the rest of the train loose and go on with just the engine and the baggage car. Had horses waiting down the track somewhere. You ought to get over at the depot, Mr. Dillon. The baggage clerk shot pretty bad. Shot. Now, why didn't you say so? and another thing. They cut the wire
2: so the train crew couldn't telegraph ahead. Same old story, Mr. Dillon. You'd think them bandits should figure out some new way. Why? This one usually works. <laughs>
5: And that's the first portion of Gunsmoke from June 14, 1952 of Jailbait Janet. We'll get back to Gunsmoke after these works.
0: Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360.
5: All right, let's get back to Gunsmoke.
0: Confounded, I said to keep that mob out of this baggage car.
2: They're off, Doc.
0: Huh? Well, who are you? Oh,
2: I didn't know it was you, Matt. How is he? He he caught one through the lung. I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for that. I want to find out where it happened.
10: I can tell you exactly, Marshal. How? About 100 yards east of milepost 314. It's on the curve where the line swings in toward the river, bottom. You one of the passengers? I'm a legal agent for the railroad and for the bank that owns that money. My name is Crocker, J.L. Crocker. And I want immediate action on this matter. I want that money back at once. And I want the guilty parties brought to justice. Are you getting all this, Chester? Yes, sir, I'm making mental
3: notes.
2: Well, now, Marshal, I don't believe you quite understand who I am. Sure, you're the legal something or other for somebody, and you're bothering me. Now, will you stand back? Doc, is there any chance of talking to him?
8: Well, you can try. All
2: right. Mister, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Did you recognize any of them?
8: No. wore
10: masks. Only one said anything. Gave all the orders. He's the one who shot me. Man,
2: about 50. Is that all you can tell me?
10: I don't feel so good, Marshal.
8: I think I... <laughs> That's it.
2: Yeah. Chester, yes, go get our horses saddled up. We'll ride out to milepost 314. With luck, we can get there before dark, maybe pick up their trails some way. Aren't right, you? Well, now, Marshal, in my opinion, you ought to form a posse to go after these criminals. Mr. Crocker, I don't care about your opinions. Hmm. I think I'll have a little talk with your superiors when I get back to civilization. Good. Find out what's happened to my checks. I haven't been paid for two months. Chester, pull up a second. Yes, sir. Reckon they've heard of yet? And they don't show it. Both of them are still working around the campfire, paying no attention. Fixing supper, I guess. A man and a young boy. Must be homesteaders on the move. I've never heard of bandits hightailing it in a covered wagon. Besides, there's only two of them. Three men held up the train. Yeah, I know. Now let's ride on down to the fire. Rangers? Evening. Climb down and sit. Have some supper ready here in a spell, such as this. Keep your eye on that coffee, Jerry. I'm watching it, Pa. Huh. You men pushing cattle? No, hunting killers. What? Had a train robbery this morning. Now I'm a U.S. Marshal out of Dodge. My name's Dylan. Well, proud to know you, Marshal Dylan. I'm Dan Everly. This is my boy, Jerry. How are you, sir? Jerry, how are you? Now, we're heading for Dodge ourselves. How far we got to go yet? About nine miles. You planted a homestead? That's right. Had a place back at Newton, but it didn't do so good. So, somebody robbed a train. Huh? Mm-hmm. Three of them. Got away with $50,000 in gold. Have you met anybody today? No, no, near your soul. Now, Marshal, you just rest yourself there now, and we'll have some side meat and harmony in a few minutes. Oh, fine, thanks. Yes. You food, this is it, Chester. We found them. These two?
3: How do you figure?
2: They're horses. Saddle stock. Never meant to haul a wagon. And the third one's over to the right in that thicket covering us. So I glint on his gun barrel. What do we do? Move fast. You roll to the left, draw, and cover the tube of the fire, and I'll take the one in the brush. You got it? Yes, sir. All right, then.
8: Now... <laughs> Don't move, you do. You're covered.
2: No. You there on the brush. Come out with your hands up. Well, not, now, wait, Marshal. Don't shoot. All right, then. Tell him to get out here with his hands up.
3: They got us. There's no use fighting. Come out, like he says.
8: Why
4: didn't you let me fight, Pa? I could have shot them both. Oh, fella, oh he's
2: a girl. So it is. But my daughter Janet, I told her to hide out there till we found out what she wanted. I wanted to keep her out of this. So you and your two kids were the bandits, huh? You're quite a father, Mr. Everly.
4: You leave him alone. Pa knew what he was doing. He had a right to that money.
2: I see. How old are you, Janet?
4: Eighteen. Is any of your business? Uh,
2: the young young'uns ain't to blame, Marshal. I brought him up to do like I told them. They didn't know. Somebody ought to have known. Now where's the money? Don't tell him. Be no. quiet, Janet. Marshal, we buried that money, and I reckon I'm not going to tell you where it is.
4: It's ours, and we got a right to
2: it. Yeah, you said that before. I had a homestead outside of Newton. My wife died there. The younguns and me fought the prairie for four years. Crop failures, hard times. Then last fall, I finally got a good stand of wheat ripe for the harvest. You know what happened? Now, what happened? Sparks from a train set fire to the grain field. burned us out, lost everything. I wrote letters to the railroad office in St. Louis. They said I'd have to come back there and prove my claim. Now, they knew I couldn't do that. Well, did anybody ever tell you things were easy out here in the West, Mr. Everly? Chester, you and the boy hitch up that wagon and start loading it. All right, sir. Come on, son.
6: What are you... What are you aiming to do with
2: us? Take him to Dodge City, to jail. All right, pull up, Everly. Oh boy! All of you, get on. I guess my reasons for robbing that train don't count for much, do they, Marshal? Judging is not part of my job, Everly. But not the young ones. It wasn't their fault. You killed a man, Everly. What do you expect? Marshal, I didn't aim to kill him. He went for his gun as we was leaving, but I didn't aim to kill him.
10: Well, Marshal, I see you brought in the culprits. Yeah, it looks that way, Mr. Crocker. Oh, where's the money? I want to get it locked up in the bank right away. They say they buried it. They've...
9: What?
8: Matt? Matt,
2: are you all
9: right? I heard of the saloon that you brought in the bandits. That's right. Is she one of them? That girl?
2: Yeah. Well,
9: she's just a kid, Matt. You're not going to lock up the girl.
2: Kitty, I don't like the idea any better than you do.
9: That jail wasn't built for women. I know that. Matt, let me take her. What? She won't try to get away with the others in jail. She can stay in my rooms while I'm working. I'll take care of her, Matt.
2: Janet, you go with Kitty here. Yes, sir. Stay with her and do whatever she says.
9: Thanks, Matt. Thanks a lot. Come
2: on, honey. Just so you take these other two inside and lock them up. Yes, sir.
10: Come on. Let's
2: go. Oh, Marshall, pretty or not, that girl is a criminal. Why aren't you locking her up? Well, we've got a different attitude toward women out here, Mr. Crocker. We never got around to building jails for them. Well, what about the money? $50,000 missing. That's right. It is. Oh.
10: It's a long ride in town, wasn't it, Marshal? Moonlight, pretty girl in a wagon, chance to talk.
2: Maybe Why, do it, but...
10: you. You
8: there?
2: Yes, sir. Drag him over there to the water trough and stick his head under the pump. How are you and Kitty getting along, Janet?
6: Oh, just fine. She's been wonderful.
2: The noise downstairs bother you? Keep you awake at night?
4: No. No, the only thing that keeps me awake is worrying about Pa and Jerry.
8: What are you going to do with us? And I got no say
2: about that. There's no proper court here. i will probably get orders to send you up to Hayes City for trial.
4: Oh, they won't understand... Maybe Pa was wrong. I guess he was, but but he thought he was doing right.
2: Sure, we all think that.
4: He was doing it for us, for Jerry and me. And he didn't mean to kill that man, Marshal. Really, he didn't.
2: Well, I, uh... I better be going now.
4: Sure.
2: Goodbye, John. Marshal. Quite taken with you, Kitty.
9: Stories around town say you're a little taken with her, Matt.
2: That's Mr. Crocker's tones. He's been shooting his mouth off
9: for a week Mm -hmm. now. He's offered a thousand dollar reward for the return of that money, no questions asked. Yeah, I know. But how much do you know? What do you mean? Well, people will know you don't pay any attention, Matt, but some of these hangers-on around the saloon wonder if you did make a deal for that money. Uh, who
2: cares what they think.
9: But it's bad, Matt. Crocker keeps prodding them. Some of them are beginning to say that Everly's might remember where the money is if they had ropes around their necks. Uh, lynch mob,
2: huh?
8: Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, they're gonna have to move fast. I got orders about an hour ago to send the three up to Hayes City in the morning.
9: Oh, Matt... She
2: know about it? No. I just didn't have the heart to tell her.
8: Mr. Dillon.
0: Mr. Dillon. What's the matter, Chester? Miss Kitty sent me to get you. Oh? That fellow Crocker's over at the Long Branch. He's got a bunch of the boys all all liquored up. They're talking about crashing the jail. Well,
2: usually the best way to stop that kind of trouble is to break it up before it starts. Well, that girl's just upstairs right over the heads, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, I know. They hadn't bothered her, had they, Chester? Well, they hadn't when I left. All right, you let me handle it. You stay clear and cover my back. Yes, sir, I will. All right, come on.
10: Just the boys to do it. Uh, it's about time somebody took the star off of that tinhorn marshal and shoved it down his throat.
2: And as far as I'm concerned,
10: I. I...
2: Well, go on, Mr. Crocker. You're doing real fine. <laughs> There's quite a crew you picked up. All the bums, barflies, swindlers, and bushwhackers in Dodge City. Well, your friends don't seem to be as talkative as they were a couple of minutes ago, Mr. Crocker. Oh, Dylan, if I had you in St. Louis for one hour, you'd be in jail, not running. All right, boys, the party's over. Now move on. Now, you got no right to order those men around, Dylan. I don't hear any of them objecting.
9: Matt, Matt, she's gone. What? Janet's not in the room. She's gone. Well,
2: where would she go?
0: I can tell you, Matt. You've had a jailbreak. That girl got her dad and brother out, and they just left town on their horses.
10: We're getting pretty close to the place where they camped that night.
2: It's right ahead of us there, Chester
10: do hope that cussed
2: storm holds off. First, you know, they may not have came back here at all. Well, then we'll backtrack to Cottonwood Tanks. They'll want that gold. It's got to be somewhere between here and the railroad. Yonder's where the wagon was standing. Yeah. All right, pull up, Chester. Let's take a look around.
0: Mr. Jones, look there. Huh? hole dug in the ground. Right where they had their
2: campfire that night. Yeah. Well, they buried the gold there, Chester, and built their fire right on top of it. Get
8: out!
2: It came from that thicket over there. I'm gonna fire and roll away, maybe draw a shot. Now You keep your eyes open. in the left of that big tree out there. Yeah, I saw it.
8: You got him.
2: Yeah. Come on, Chester. Everly. Now, you're covered, Everly. One move and you're finished. I'm, I'm finished anyway. I'm sorry I had to do it. No matter. want the youngins to have a chance. <laughs> they rode on with the money, I suppose. Let him go, Marshal. It's their money. I had a right. Maybe, but you had no right to kill. I didn't aim to, Marshal. The law has to go by acts, Everly, not intentions. Storm? Coming up? Yeah, it looks that way. Hope that Youngen's
10: find shelter. Jerry caught cold up there in jail. Used to worry his mother when he coughed. So she's dead now. Died back there.
8: Back. Back, yeah. Guess he paid for it, Mr. Youngen.
2: Yeah, he paid. Well, let's try to pick up the trail of the other two before that storm. What is it? Horses. A couple of horses coming in fast.
3: All right, hold it. It's all right, Marshal. Wait, arm. cough. where is he? We
8: heard the shooting and turned around and
4: rode back.
2: You better get off your horses, both of you.
4: What happened to...
2: Oh. I'm sorry, Janet.
4: I knew. I knew when he made us ride right on ahead that... that we'd never see him again. Alive.
2: You kids carrying the money? It's there in my saddlebags. Get it, will you, Chester? Yes, sir.
4: He thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was doing it for us.
2: I know, but he was wrong. And now there's the two of you to decide about. Here's your money, Mr. Jones. Just to count out a $1,000. Yes, sir. You know, technically, I guess I ought to take you back to Dodge. But I figure everybody's got certain rights. And it's my job to try to keep all those rights sorted out and evened up. All I can do is call him the way I see him. Chester Give him a thousand dollars
8: There you are
9: But I I, I don't understand
2: Crocker offered a thousand dollars and no questions asked For the return of his money Well you returned it And there's the reward Yes but I Now if you ride north and keep barren west You'll eventually hit Wyoming I hear it's fine country Plenty of range land Homesteads The two of you ought to do all right Jerry. Yes, sir? You take care of her. Yes, sir, I will, Mr. Dillon.
6: I understand what you're doing for us. And I...
2: Now, go on, you two. Get out of here before I think it over and change my mind. Now, go on. Right.
8: Thank you, Marshal. Thanks. Go on. Goodbye, Mr. Dillon. And Go
2: on. Get out of here. You better get a move on, Mr. Dillon. It's starting to rain. They find shelter somewhere. Mr. Dillon, it's starting to rain, Mr. Dillon. You better get a move on.
8: Listen. Mr. Dillon?
0: By Norman McDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. The story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Les Crutchfield, with editorial supervision by John Meston. Featured in the cast were Vic Perrin, Barbara Eiler, Sam Edwards, and Bart Robinson. Harley Bear is Chester, Howard McNear is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. This is George Walsh inviting you to join us again next week for another story on Gunsmoke. This is the CBS Radio Network.
5: And that's Gunsmoke from June 14, 1952 with Jail Bait Janet, starring William Conrad. Also in the cast, Parley Bear as Deputy Chester Proudfoot, Howard McNair as Doc Adams, Georgia Ellis as Saloon Girl Kitty Russell, and Vic Perrin, Sam Edwards, and Barbara Eiler with George Walsh announcing over CBS. Hope you enjoyed Gunsmoke. Let's take a quick break, then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, Orson Welles stars in The Lives of Harry Lime from 1951. Then it's the Jack Benny program from 1944. Don't miss it. We'll see you next time.